1: Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. Now, from the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact... Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, Logger's Larceny.
2: It is mid-afternoon, September 7th, 1938. Two loggers employed by the Gulf Lumber Company are marking timber near a lonely stretch of Company Logging Road in the Piney Woods region of East Texas. Yeah, there. Yeah. Cutting crew ought to be able to see that, Mark.
3: Yeah. Well, looks like that's the last decent stick left in this stand of timber, too. Uh,
2: plenty more trees in the woods. Come on, we'll cross the creek and start working that stand up on the other side of the road.
3: There. We're already marked an awful lot of trees today. I think my axe is heavier than yours. <laughs> I could do with a breather.
2: Yeah, catch it on the round then. Come on. You'll get used to that axe. I told you I'd make a logger out of you. Just stick with me, kid. I'll put muscles like this on your arms. Air on your chest, iron in your fists.
3: Yeah, if I live through it. <laughs> Bull, I'm about done in. Oh, man, that creek sure looks good.
2: Yeah, don't let it fool you. Ain't fit to drink down here. Sawdust so pile at the mill poisoned it.
3: Well, what do we do, Wade?
2: Sure, ain't deep enough to swim, is it? But he want to ride across Tiggyback.
3: Hey, Bull, look. Huh? Over there on the other side. Up there against that old cutover stump.
2: That's a car.
3: Yeah, upside down, all smashed up.
2: Well, come on, somebody might be hurt.
3: Hey, bullet. That's one of the company cars on the mill.
2: Yeah, I see. Sure is wrecked, ain't it?
3: Yeah. Hey, smell that gasoline.
2: Tank's busted wide open.
3: Sure, good thing there wasn't a spark. Mm
2: hmm. There'd been some fire if that gas had caught. Hey, look here, kid, in the front seat. Who who is it, Boy? It's old man Hutton. What's left of him?
3: It's a paymaster. Come on, we'd better get him out of there.
2: No, we can't do nothing for him. But get a load of this bank bag.
3: Hey, that's full of money. Uh Uh-huh.
2: Payroll for the mill.
3: Bo, what are you doing? What are you stuffing that money in your shirt for?
2: Look, kid, we ain't been around here, understand?
3: You've got no right to that money. Who's
2: got a better one? Who's even going to know it's missing? Unless you shoot off your mouth. You twist my arm. I'll twist your neck right off your shoulders if you let out one word. For the law. Don't forget the law. Just remember you'll get the worst beating you ever had. You understand?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I understand.
2: Yeah, that's being smart. Here, throw this sack back in the car while I get my shirt button.
3: But there's still some money left, isn't
2: there? Sure, all the coins and a few bills. No use being a hog, is it? Besides, this is going to look right. Throw it back in the car, I said. Sure,
3: boy. Sure.
2: Now uh, you got a match?
3: A crazy bull a match with all that gasoline spilled around here?
2: Wait and see how crazy. Give me a match.
3: Okay. Here.
2: There's only one left in the box. That's all you got?
3: Yeah. Well,
2: we'll make this some count in. Now, get back out of the way. <laughs> The frantic mill superintendent waited until evening to report the missing paymaster and money. Sheriff Stanton immediately contacted the Texas Rangers. An all-points bulletin for the apprehension of the man was sent out, and Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to the case. He arrived at the mill with the sheriff early the next morning. Here's the mill office, Jace. Might as well start there. The quicker we can get a line on Hutton, the better. Yeah. If he's making a run for it, he's already got a big lead on us. Mm. Sure. I've been waiting for you. Uh, meet Ranger Pearson, Mr. Browning. Mr. Browning's a mill superintendent. Howdy, Mr. Browning. Yeah, pleased to meet you, Ranger. Anything new here? No. I, uh, I'm kind of inexperienced at this sort of thing. I've sure been waiting for you. The delay's my fault. It was nearly sunup when I met the sheriff. It took time enough for breakfast and to drag the bank teller out of bed. He says your man Hutton left the bank about a half hour after closing time yesterday. Yeah, They waited until the street doors were closed before they started making up Hutton's orders for mixed currency. Now, they usually work it that way at the bank on paydays. $18,000 is a lot of money to count out, you know. Well, we not only know how much money we're looking for, but how much of each denomination... I've got Hutton's list. The bank teller gave me a copy of it. He sure must have slipped out quiet. Not a soul in town saw him after he left the bank. No telling which direction he headed. Uh, Would you have a picture of him by any chance, Mr. Browning, to sort of amplify the description we've already sent out? Well, there may be one among his belongings in his shack. You know, Sheriff, I... I still can't believe Bob absconded with that money. $18,000 is a lot of temptation, Mr. Browning. I know it, but... Bob Hutton's been with us for years. I'd have trusted him with every asset the company owns. I just don't know what to think now. We won't rule out any possibility. Before we go through Hutton's things, I'd like to talk to any of your crew who might have been working near the road yesterday afternoon. Well, Foreman Bull Evans and his helper were marking a stand of timber over by Pine Creek. They're down in the drying yard this morning. The rest of the crew's out in the woods. How do they feel about Hutton not showing up? Mm -hmm. Quite a few of them wanted to dig up a rope and go hunting for him But Bull Evans talked him out of that Let's go find this foreman of yours He sounds like some talker Maybe he can tell us something Put your shoulder to the dolly, kid Here That's good I will stack this load of sheathen beside that last bunch of two-bites. Stand them on in and slide them in against the ridge pole there.
3: Okay. This green stuff's as heavy as lead.
2: Stack it up there straight. Want the whole blame rack to come down on top of you? What's the matter with you? You nervous?
3: No. No, I... I ain't nervous. Give me a hand, won't you, (laughs) Bo?
2: Sure. There. There. Like I told you, keep your mouth shut and nothing will happen to you. Okay. Get that next stick now. Right.
3: Yeah. Like that?
2: Maybe we'll make a logger out of you yet.
3: Both. Oh, look, here comes the boss and the ranger. Yeah.
2: And the sheriff. So what? Grab that next stick and remember what I told you about talking. Yeah, ah, hello, boss. Sheriff. Find old man Hutton in the payroll yet? Well... Pearson. Oh, howdy, Ranger. Howdy. Ranger and the Sheriff want to ask you and the boy some questions. Well, sure, oh. sure. Glad to help. Hey, kid, hold it a minute there, will you? Yeah, sure. I understand you were working somewhere near the road from town yesterday afternoon. No, we were working a standover on Pine Creek. Sometimes it was near the road, sometimes it wasn't. Did you see anything of Hutton or the company car he was driving? We didn't see any car, did we, kid? No. Did you hear a car going either way on the road? Yeah, we didn't hear nothing. We didn't see nothing. I'm afraid you're barking up a wrong tree, Ranger. How's that, Bull? Old man Hutton wasn't crazy. He'd seen a chance at a lot of money, and he took it. He never headed back this way from town. You'll pick him up someplace long gone from here. All right, Bull. That's all. Uh, come on, kid. Let's get back to work. Now, uh, wait a minute. I haven't talked to your helper yet.
3: Well, Bull told you. We didn't see nothing. I don't know nothing about that money.
2: We're looking for a man right now, son. Not the money he was carrying. Are you as convinced as Bull here that he ran off with the company payroll?
3: Well,
2: I... Well, are you or aren't you?
3: I don't know nothing about it, I tell you. What are you so
2: nervous about?
3: Well, nothing. I... I I just don't know nothing about it.
2: Look, son, maybe you don't know it, but there's a severe penalty for withholding information from the law in this state. If you do know anything about this case, anything at all, it's your
3: duty to tell the ranger and me now. Well, I...
2: Yeah?
3: Well, there's a pretty bad turn over there on Pine Creek. Mr. Hutton might have had a... Accident when nobody was around.
2: See, that is a possibility, Ranger. That's the worst stretch along the road. And one of those turns is a bad one. Ah, old Bob Hutton could drive that road backwards and blindfolded. He's been doing it for years. Besides me and the kid come in by the road last night. There wasn't no wreck along at 10. Did you see anything, son?
3: No. No, there there wasn't nothing along the road when we went by.
2: We came out that way this morning, Jace. Wasn't anything inside then either. Well, the area along the creek is an old cutover. Brush has come back thick and sponge. The car down in there could be completely hidden from the road.
3: Well, we're gonna have to search every
2: inch of the way out from town to eliminate accident as a possibility in this case, anyway, Jace. This bad turn out by the creek sounds like as good a place as any to begin with. Yeah, let's get out there and take a look. Uh, you mind showing us that cut over, Mr. Browning? Well, not at all, Ranger. I'll get my car and you can follow me. Uh, Bull. If anything comes up here while I'm going, you take care of it for me, will you? Ah, sure, boss, sure. I'll take care of everything.
3: Don't you want me to go with you?
2: No, thanks, son.
3: You better stay here.
2: Yeah, kid, you stay here. There's gonna be plenty to keep you busy. Roadside tracks and broken brush near the bad turn on Pine Creek were so faint we nearly missed them. The car itself was completely screened from the road by brush was badly burned and lay upside down on an open patch of grass body of its driver slumped near the wheel Mm -hmm. it's an accident all right jace seems like good heavens what a way to die marks indicate hutton lost control when he left the road judging from the damage to the car i think there's no question but what he was dead when the wreck caught fire i hope so i told you i couldn't believe bob hutton would steal that money looks like you were right mr browning here, look in this window. Yeah. What a mess. There's your money, what's left of it. There beside the springs of that burned seat cushion. Oh, yeah. I see some corn rolls with the wrappers burned all. And that fluff of ash on top of them is what's left of the paper money. It's hard to believe it would burn that much. It was a mighty hot fire while it lasted. Even the body metals warped all out of shape. Well, Jase, looks like it's back to town for us. I got to get an undertaker's wagon out here to pick up his body. Yeah, I'll have to kill that all-points wanted bulletin on Hutton too. Guess that'll about wind this up, huh? I'm not so sure, Sheriff. What do you mean? Well, this, this just doesn't feel quite right. What doesn't? Finding this car like this, we might have looked for a day before we found it down here in this brush. Well, don't you have more to go on than that, Ranger? No, nope, nothing more. Just a hunch. It seems like working on hunches would be kind of dangerous in your business. It usually is, for somebody. Come on, I, I want to get back to the mail. Well, what do you want to go back there for? You don't need a phone, you can use your car radio. Yeah, I know. But there's something funny about this. I want to get it cleared up. Hey, Sheriff, look out. Hmm? Watch where you're stepping. What is it? That matchbox. Oh. Hey, wait a minute. What's so important about a matchbox? It could be plenty important. Look where it's lying. I don't get you, Jace. All right, look up there, Sheriff. That's where Hutton's car turned over. It slid down from there on its roof. The matchbox is right in the track, and it hasn't been crushed. Hmm. Meaning it was dropped after the wreck. What? That's right, Sheriff. Let's see. It's empty. The last match was used, and the box thrown away. Well, used for what, Ranger? What's a matchbox got to do with Bob Hutton's death? Maybe nothing. But even when a car's as badly damaged as this one was... Even when it's drenched with gasoline, it doesn't always catch fire. Let's go back a minute. Do you know what you're saying? I think so. You mean somebody could have deliberately set this car fire after the accident? If this was an accident. Oh, but look, Jace, the only possible reason for arson in a case like this would be to cover taking the money Hutton had with him. And it's still there. What's left of it, anyway. I know, Sheriff. There we are. Give me a hand, will you, Sheriff? Sure, Jase. What do you want to do? And see if we can't get what's left of that money out without disturbing the ash around it. I want to send it into the lab.
3: What'll that get you?
2: If any of it's missing, they may be able to tell us. (laughs) We removed the remains of the charred money bag and its contents as carefully as possible and packed them for transfer to the laboratory. When we drove back to the mill yard, Bull Evans was just coming out of the office. Hi. You find any sign of Hutton? Yes. He's dead, Bull. Dead? He had an accident near Pine Creek. Just about where that kid suggested we look, too. Well, can you beat that? Where is the kid? I think we'd better talk to him again. Well, you ain't gonna get much out of him, Ranger. Why? No, these young punks never look where they're going or what they're doing. He's got himself really bunged up. Where is he? In the first aid room, back in of the office, I wanted to send for a doctor, but he wouldn't let me. I got him on a cot back here. He don't feel so good. Let's take a look. Come on. You too, Bull. Yeah, sure. Right through there, Ranger. Okay. <laughs> Easy, kid. Let's have a look at you.
3: No! Leave me, me
2: His face is beat to a pulp. Bruises on his ribs and belly too. What happened to you, son? Go away. You better answer the ranger boy. What happened to you? Go on, kid. Tell him what happened.
3: The drying rack. It fell on me.
1: You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Logger's Larceny, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers.
2: The kid was in no condition for further questioning. When we were unable to persuade him to submit to medical treatment, the sheriff and I returned to town and had a talk with the Justice of the Peace... The next morning, the sheriff attended Hutton's inquest while I waited in his office for a call from our lab at Austin. It had just come through when the sheriff returned. Sorry to be so long, Jase. Oh, I was comfortable. Sheriff, you got a nice office. <laughs> Thanks. Inquest over? Yeah. Death by natural causes, I suppose. Yeah, failure of the heart. Doc says Hutton was dead when his car left the road. An out-and-out accident. Oh, look, Jace, it's like the J.P. told you last night. That matchbox don't mean anything. It could have blown in on those tracks. I guess this isn't my week for hunches, Sheriff. Well, the lab report came in, too. How did that add up? Coins in the bank sack tallied exactly with the withdrawal slip the teller gave us. Well, how about the bills, the paper money? Well, there were traces of them in the ash. The quantity was small and might indicate some paper money was missing, but it burned so completely the lab couldn't be sure. Yeah? Looks like that's that. Right. sir, Yeah. Well, Sheriff, I guess I better get started. So long, Jace, and thanks.
3: See you again on another case.
2: Yeah. Call us anytime you need us. You know, Sheriff, it still doesn't feel right. You know, Jace, it doesn't to me either. There's that matchbox. Sure, it could have blown in there, but that kid at the mill. Yeah. What about the kid? If he had a hunch Hutton's car was wrecked and where it might be, why didn't he tell his boss that as soon as he and Bull came in from the timber? Yeah, that's right. As it was, he didn't tell us till we dragged it out of it. That turn out there didn't have anything to do with Hutton's death. His heart quit. He could have gone over the edge anywhere along the road. Yeah, but, Jase, he did go over at that turn. Sure he did. And that's why the kid couldn't have known the car was there unless he'd seen it. Then Bull Evans and the kid were lying. But why? That's what we're going to find out. That and why the drying rack fell on the kid. Kind of funny two accidents should happen so close together. Come on, Sheriff. Let's get out to that mill. Well, Sherry, I didn't look for you and Ranger Pearson back. Something new come out? Not exactly, Mr. Browning. Just a few loose ends. I want to talk to that kid who was hurt yesterday. How is he? Oh, apparently a lot better than he looks. How's that? He was up for breakfast this morning. Insisted he was in shape to work. In shape to work? Mm, that's what he claimed. Well, that kid was in shape for a hospital. Well, Bull banked him up. He'd been taking care of him, I guess you ought to know. They are around the yard here? Well, Bull didn't figure the kid was quite up to yard work. They went out with the felon crew. Together? Sure. Uh, Bull said he'd watch after the kid. Oh. He did, huh? Where are they? Uh, up in the northeast quarter of Section 3, someplace, about four miles out. Come on, Sheriff. We better get out there. That kid was in no condition to work. Well, you, you can't make it in a car. We haven't got our access road to that section finished yet. You got any horses here? Yeah. The one I use for making my rounds of the cruise is saddled up out back. Bring it around for the sheriff. I'll get my horse unloaded from the trailer. Right away, Ranger. Come on, Sheriff. Get on the other side of that end gate, will you? Sure. You think that kid's in any danger, Jake? What do you think? I'm beginning to think so. So am I. Oh. Back out, Sergeant. Steady, boy. Easy, easy, boy. Hey.
1: Here you are, Sheriff.
2: Sheriff's ought to be about right. Now, thanks, Mr. Browning. Now, you take that work road at the corner of the yard. You begin to hit some of the crew out at the end of it. They can tell you just where Bull and his helper is. Thanks. Let's go, Sheriff. Up, Charlie.
1: Come, Come on, Charlie. pick him up, boss. Ah. Ah.
2: Following Mr. Browning's directions, we found some of his sawyers and axemen at work in deep woods. They sent us on to others, knowing only that Bull Evans and the kid were working somewhere up ahead. Hold it, Sheriff. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Listen. Somebody working over there. Yeah, come on. Let's go, Charlie. Come on, boy. Is it Bull and the kid? No. Ooh, 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 ooh. Hey there. Right, Sheriff. Ranger. What you doing out here? Looking for Bull Evans and his partner. Boys down the line said they were up this way. Yeah, they were a little while ago. Where'd they go? Blame the find, though. Them two are crazy. Crazy? What do you mean? Well, that bull was working over there. You can see the cut he was making. Uh-huh. The kid wasn't worth much. Bunged up the way he was, so he was just fooling around, kind of grubbing out a little brush. That bull come over to bum a smoke off of me, and when he turned around, the kid was gone. Gone? Yeah. Slept off in the brush. Bull hollered for him when he didn't get no answer. Bull took right off after him, swearing fit to make old Paul Bunyan turn over in his grave. How long ago? Ooh, ten, maybe fifteen minutes ago. Come on, Sheriff. Hey, look, what is all this? Tell me later, son. Come on, let's go. Arrest <laughs> him. <laughs> the tracks again on this soft ground. Yeah. Ooh, ooh charcoal. Uh, oh, oh. Wait a minute, Sheriff. Steady, boy. What do you make of it, Jace? I don't like it. Where do you suppose that kid's heading? Yeah, beats me. Wherever it is, he's sure heading there in a straight line and hard as he can go. Yeah, with Bull apparently right behind him. It makes about as little sense as that drying rack falling on him yesterday or Bull talking him into reporting for work this morning. What's between the two of them? That's what we gotta find out tracking us too slow. We're losing too much time. That's pretty thick timber ahead. It ought to slow them up some. Won't be much to follow when we get in there in those pine needles, either. Uh, Jace, maybe we better split, sort of spread out. That way we'll be... Hey, hear that? Somebody in there has got a gun. Come on. Get up, charcoal. Get up. Get up. You know, I'm betting it's bull. Sounds like the shots are in the middle of that timber stand. It's a bad place to work blind, Jace. Yeah. You might miss them complete in there. Possible. Look, Sheriff... You cut around the timber the other edge in case somebody breaks out in the clear in that direction. I'll head straight for the sound of those shots. Try to box them in, huh? Worth a try. Come on, Charco. Come on, T-Roy, Deep into the timber, I stopped near a blowdown. A huge living pine tree blown over onto the ground. I wanted to listen for movement, but I knew an armed man was somewhere ahead of me and Charcoal seemed to sense my tenseness. Whoa, whoa, Charcoal. Steady, boy. Steady. Take it easy, Charkey. Found it. What are you shying away from? Whoa, whoa, boy. All right. Crawl out from under that blowdown. No.
3: No. Don't shoot. Don't shoot.
2: Nobody's going to shoot, kid. Crawl out of there.
3: No, get away, will you? Leave me be. He'll kill me if he finds me.
2: Get hold of yourself, kid. Who'll kill you? What for?
3: Bull. He almost caught me.
2: You're all right now, son. Come on out.
3: He shot at me. I crawled in there and he lost me. He ran on past. I heard him. But he'll be back. You better
2: tell me why he's after you. Come on, spill it quick.
3: I saw him take the money.
2: From Hutton's wrecked car? Yeah.
3: Yeah, we came down to the creek and there it was. He took the money and threw a match into the gasoline. He burned the car. Mr. Hutton's still in it.
2: Settle down. Take it easy. Hutton was dead when his car left the road. Why didn't you tell us about this yesterday when we asked
3: well, you? Well, I, I tried to tell you, but Bull was standing there watching, listening. And look what happened to me afterwards.
2: That accident at the drying rack? The
3: accident. He pushed the rack over to make it look that way. Afterwards, he beat me and almost killed me. Came close enough.
2: Why didn't you sneak out to Mr. Browning with your story last night? Oh, I
3: never got a chance. Bull got a gun out of his passport's bag and kept it under his blanket all night, pointed at me. He never slept a wink. I had to get up this morning and make it look like I I wanted to come out here to work with him.
2: Why'd you head in this direction when you made your break this morning? Well,
3: I figured if I could get to the money and get it back to Mr. Browning, this would all be over, and. Well, then I'd be safe.
2: You know where the money
3: is? Yeah, yeah, it's an old stump in a draw between here and the road.
2: Come on. Charcoal will carry double. We got some riding to do. I could understand the kid's terror. A professional criminal knows the odds against him and seldom goes beyond a certain limit. An amateur is like a man in quicksand, more desperate with every step and more dangerous.
3: There! there that's the stump right over there. Bull, Charcoal. Bull, oh boy. There's a hollow on the other side of it. Now hurry up, will you?
2: Uh huh. Take it easy, kid. Charcoal made a lot better time than Bull could have made on foot. Besides, he's still probably looking for you.
3: Well, maybe he's been here already.
2: We'll soon see. Yeah, it's here, all right.
3: Can't you hurry?
2: Hey, this is a pile of money.
3: Yeah, I know. Come on.
2: All set, kid. Just as soon as I stash these bills away in my saddlebags, this is what you call valuable evidence. And this is what's called a gun, Ranger. Bull! Oh, praise, Father, you. You're making a mistake, Bull. You've made yours. Drop him saddlebags. You ain't getting that money. It's mine. Now drop him. All right, get off that horse, kid.
4: Get off, I say. All
1: right. Now start backing away from my money. Both of you.
2: I told you I'd kill you if you opened your mouth, kid. Now it's going to be both of you. You
3: hurt, kid? No. No. Are you okay?
2: Yeah. Bull's gun just didn't shoot very straight.
3: Boy, you sure did, and fast.
2: That's what a spring clip holster's for, son. Hey,
3: Chase! Hey, Chase! Ho, boy! Ho, ho, ho! Everything all right?
2: Yeah, for everybody but Bull. He. He's dead? Kind of.
3: What was the deal, Chase? Did he have some of the money from the wreck?
2: Show him what's in the saddlebags,
3: kid. All right. Here, Sheriff, take a look. Looks like he had it all. How deep was the kid here in with him?
2: I reckon that's something the court will have to judge on the evidence. Here, give me a hand, Sheriff. you we'll hang Bull across your saddle. He's got one last ride coming. November 12, 1938, the kid was arraigned before the county court and found innocent of willful complicity in the theft from the paymaster's wrecked car. He was returned to society with a deeper appreciation and understanding of the duties of a citizen in the face of crime.
1: Here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae.
2: You know, we're awfully grateful to you people for the nice letters you've sent in. It makes you feel good to know that there are some folks who just want to let you know that they're all for you and that they like your show. I know it's kind of an effort to sit down and write a letter or postcard to a voice hundreds of miles away, and that's why it would be downright ungrateful if we didn't thank you for your trouble. It's really a compliment. There's a little story I ran across about a ranger I thought you'd like to hear before we say goodnight. I thought it was kind of funny. It seems that in the days when the Texas Rangers were charged with the enforcement of the prohibition laws, their reputation for apprehending offenders caused moonshiners to keep a sharp eye out for these famed officers. One day on a lonely road in East Texas, a moonshiner with a load of bootleg whiskey rounded a turn and came upon a man dressed in khaki clothes, big hat and boots, signaling him to stop. Frantically, he grabbed a wrench and broke all ten of the one-gallon bottles of whiskey. Turning to the man in the road, he called, You can't arrest me, Ranger. You ain't got no evidence. What do you mean, fellow? replied the Texas Ranger. I have a flat tire. Can you loan me your jack? Good night, folks. See you again next week.
1: Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers Joel McCrae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Bill Conrad, Stacy Harris, Barley Bear and Bill Johnstone. This story was transcribed and adapted by Tom W. Blackburn and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC.
2: Monday is for music, the best in music on NBC. Tomorrow evening, the Telephone Hour brings you Contralto Marion Anderson as guest soloist. And for a melodic blend of light classical and classical music, you're invited to the second concert in a new Monday evening series by the Boston Pops under the baton of Arthur Fiedler.
1: Now Jack Parr with the $64 question for more good times on NBC.
0: This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members.
1: Got your happy price, Priceline. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. <laughs> Tonight transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. <laughs> From the files of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, The Hatchet.
2: It is 8.30 a.m. Sunday, May 16, 1941 the Halleck family of Rock Point, Texas, is preparing to leave for church.
5: You want any more toast, Jim? Nope.
2: All I want is another cup of coffee. I'll get it myself. Why don't you sit down and eat?
5: Well, I would if I could get that boy to the table. Robert? Robert! I'm coming, Ma. You've been saying that for half an hour. Your eggs are getting cold and we'll be late for church. All right, all right.
3: And never
2: mind that all right business. When your mother called you, you just come a running.
3: Stay with, Park. I'll my face, don't I?
2: I'll be right there. Well, see the jar. You'll go without your breakfast. Now, you come sit down, Hattie. No need of your stomach being empty.
5: Just coffee will do for me. Seems like the older a boy gets, the harder it is to get him out of bed in the morning.
2: What time did he get in last night?
5: After 11. Him and Sadie Lewis went to the picture show.
2: I told him I wanted him home at 10 o'clock nights.
5: Oh, Jim, it was Saturday night. He goes to school all week.
2: Well, school will soon be over. He'll be working with me in the store all summer. Maybe he won't feel much like staying out half the night when he's been on his feet all day. Look at the time. Robert! i here,
5: Pa. I'm here.
2: Well, it's about time.
5: I'll get your breakfast, but the eggs will be like rubber. I don't want anything to eat. I'm not hungry.
2: Well, why didn't you say so before your ma wasted her time and the
3: food? You gotta eat something. I'll have breakfast when we get back from church.
2: Sure, that'll be fine. You can make more work for your ma that way.
5: Gee, Pa, I just don't feel hungry now. Oh, leave him alone, Jim. I'll get him something later. i just put the dishes in to soak. You two want to get out of my way? Why don't you go next door and tell Mr. Driscoll we're about ready to leave? Uh,
3: is he riding with us again? Yes, he's riding with us again, so stop sulking
2: about it. Come on. You ought to be glad to have your teacher for a neighbor. You wouldn't be at the head of your graduating class if it weren't for his helping you.
3: I see enough of him in school without seeing him Sunday, too.
2: Yeah. Well, when you get away to college in the fall, you might be wishing you had somebody like him close by to give you a
1: hand. Ring the bell.
3: He don't answer. Maybe he went on. He'd have told us.
2: And I didn't hear his car. Come on, maybe he's out and back.
3: Mr. Driscoll!
2: That's funny. Run up the back steps and take a look in the kitchen window.
3: Oh, why don't we just go without him? Will you do like I tell you? Okay. See anything? No, he ain't... Pa! Pa! What is it, son? What's the matter? Look at him. He's lying there on the floor.
2: Oh.
3: Pa, what is it? What happened to him?
2: Come away, son. Don't look anymore. more. Come away i got to call the sheriff. It it looks like he's been murdered. Sheriff Alvin Jeffers took one look at the scene of the crime and put in a call for the assistance of the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned. Uh, Mighty bloody job, Jace. No weapon in sight? Nope. Judging by the marks, though, it was something with two edges, one blunt and one sharp. Probably a hatchet, Sheriff. Either that or two weapons. Mm, It's possible, but not likely. You say the J.P.'s been here? Mm Mm-hmm. soon as we're finished, the body will be moved into the funeral home for autopsy, established time of death. That'll help. Where'd your call come from? Neighbors next door, the Hallecks. Man, wife, and son. Man and boy spotted Driscoll through the window when they come to get him for a lift to church. I'd like to talk to him. Sure, I told him to stick to home. We can go out back and hop the fence, avoid that crowd out front. Good. Yeah, the front room looked like Driscoll went in big for books. Yeah, he was an English teacher at the high school. Alec boy, Robert, was in one of his classes, I think. Driscoll live alone? Mm-hmm. He's a widower. Here, step on this box and hop the fence. Yeah, uh, you go ahead. I can get over without it.
4: Okay.
2: Well, Alec saw us coming. There he is at the back door.
1: Howdy, sir. Ranger, come
5: on in.
2: Thanks. Ranger Pearson, Jim Hallett. Howdy, howdy. Oh, uh, my wife, Hattie, and my boy, Robert.
5: Uh, howdy.
2: Howdy, Ranger. Hey, you found Driscoll's body this morning? Me and Robert. Saw it through the window. What time? Oh, about quarter to nine. That's when we always leave for services. Oh, Jace, I ought to call my office. Have the funeral home come for the body now. All right, go ahead.
3: Yeah, mind if I use your phone, Hallett?
2: Help so. I'll show you where it is, Sheriff. Oh, you'd better stay, Robert. Okay. You and your dad found the body. Would you mind, Mrs. Halleck?
5: Not at all. In here, Sheriff.
2: Thank you. Either of you see Driscoll yesterday or last night? And we both saw him outside last night, a little after six. I was coming home from the store. I sell groceries. Robert was outside waiting for me so he could take the car. Mm. Big date, huh?
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: What was Driscoll doing? Digging a flower border on his lawn. You talked to him? Just called to him after Robert took a car and drove off. Asked if he planned on riding to church with us. No sense taking two cars when neighbors are going to the same place. I see. That all? That's all. You didn't hear anything during the evening or the night? Nope. Me and Hattie turned in a little after nine. How about you, Robert? What time did you get home? Um. What time did you get home? You can tell him. I know you was late. Your mother heard you come in.
3: A little after 11. Where were you? To a picture show with Sadie Lewis. What did you see? I don't remember the name of it. Bing Crosby's in it. Chase, you gonna be much longer?
2: Oh, no, Sheriff. Why?
3: I spoke to my office. One of my deputies got a report. Rancher named Finney
2: chased somebody off his place with a shotgun last night.
5: Doorbell, Hattie. I'm going.
2: Uh, did the deputy think the report might have anything to do with the Driscolls' murder? Well, who knows? Fellow Finney saw was doing something around a cattle tank, though. Yes. Yeah, good place that. to get rid of a weapon.
5: Whoa. Cattle
2: tanks have been used before. Well, maybe we ought to
3: go out and take a look. Yeah.
5: Robert? It's Gene to see you. Hi, Bob. Hi. Hi, Mr. Halleck, Sheriff. Hello, Gene. Gene. Gee, I just drove in to see if Bob wanted to go out to the shack and camp, and I saw that crowd in front of next door. Somebody killed old man Driscoll, huh? Yeah. I
3: can't go with you today.
5: Well, yeah, guess not. Are well, you helping the sheriff, Ranger?
2: We're helping each other.
5: Well, Boy, I sure hope you catch that guy. Mr. Driscoll was the best teacher we ever had.
2: Uh, we'll try to square things for him, Gene. Coming, Jace? Yeah. Uh, thanks for your help. We may want to talk to you again later. Uh, you're sure welcome, Ranger. Bye. Bye, ma'am. So long, folks. Right. Bye. So long, Ranger. that kid, the one who just came in. You mean Gene? No, name's Gene McCready. Pal Roberts. They go to school together. Why? Just wondering. Robert Halleck ever give any of you any trouble around here? Yeah, we'll take my car. You no, know, he's a good kid. Why? I just got a feeling he was covering up for something, that's all. Like what? If I knew that, I wouldn't be wondering about it. How far to Finney's place? Turn off to the right about six miles out. Just this side of the Lewis place. The Lewis place? Robert Halleck says that he was out at a movie last night with a girl named Sadie Lewis. Yeah, she lives out there. Mike Lewis' daughter. Only 15, but a big girl for her age. (laughs) Lewis watches her like a hawk. I'd like to stop by the Lewis place and talk to that girl. Okay, we can go out there after we check at Finney's.
3: Well, right here's about where he was when I spotted him. I called, but he started to run I threw a load of buckshot after him.
2: You didn't see who it was? No, I didn't. It was
3: too far off, about 300 feet back toward the house. What time was that, Denny? Oh, just for 11 o'clock last night.
2: Wasn't that kind of late for you to be out here?
3: Well, i have been visiting. I was cutting across the ranch, walking home. From where? Mike Lewis's place. We'd get together Saturday nights, to play cards. Oh, oh, no, no, not for money, just passing time.
2: You always carry a shotgun when you're passing time?
3: Well, matter of fact, I do. Bag a jackrabbit once in a while, going, coming, between here and Mike's place. So I always throw the gun just in case. I
2: see. <laughs> I see better than you do, Jace. I've eaten out here. Mrs. Finney can do more things with a jackrabbit in a pot than most women can do with a chicken. <laughs> okay, I was just checking. Now about the fellow you saw.
3: Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, like I said, when he didn't answer my call, I fluffed him with a shot. Don't think I hit him, though. A little too far barely saw him as it was.
2: Which way do you take off?
3: Well, that way.
2: Highway's about a mile across country there. You chase him? Yep, sure did, but I reckon he was a lot younger than me. Well, what makes you say that? Well, after two minutes of running, I was a puffin' like an engine in a tunnel. He was pullin' away with every jump. Is there anything around here he might have been trying to steal? No, not a thing. Unless he was trying to make off with a cow, and there'd be nothing to try on foot. Well, Sheriff... Guess we'd better chuck our boots and hop in there. Uh, Into my cattle tank? That's right,
3: Finney. But what for?
2: If we're lucky, the weapon that was used in the killing of the high school teacher, Driscoll. The cattle tank was big. The bottom was covered deep with a couple of inches of oozing mud and slime. We slithered around in it for almost half an hour.
3: Pretty
2: thick along the bottom, Jace. Yeah, it sure is. I
3: was going to have it cleaned out next month.
2: Looks like we're going to have to save you the trouble and the expense. We'll have to call a pumping crew, Sheriff. Yeah,
1: it looks that way. Hey, give me a hand
3: up, Penny. All right, now, easy. He... <laughs> uh, thanks. Wait over here, Jace, and we'll boost you out. Okay, Sheriff. Well, we're sure going to feel silly if we have
2: this pumped out and there's nothing here you will feel sillier if we don't have it done and there is something here that turns up later. I think we ought to. Uh...
3: What's the matter, Jace?
2: Uh, feel something. Here, under my foot.
3: Yeah, I felt it coming over this way, too. Some stones
2: in the mud. No, this is metal. Wait, I'll get it. What is it, Jace? Look for yourself, Sheriff. Just about what we're looking for a hatchet. <laughs>
1: You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, The Hatchet, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. It was the murder weapon,
2: all right. The blood had been washed away from most of it, but there was skin tissue and hair that had stuck to the blood end, and... Well, I reckon that's it all right,
3: Jace. But who threw it away on my
2: place, and why? killer wanted to get rid of it in a place he thought nobody would be liable to find it. Must have thought of this spot last night. That means he knew the place. He wouldn't cross the range on foot unless he did. You say he ran off that way? That's right. Like Sheriff said, highway's about a mile. He could have left a car there he was getting back to, or he might have cut off in another direction when you lost him. You have horses here, don't you, Finny? Why, sure, sure, but nothing like the one you're towing in that trailer behind your car. <laughs> it's really a horse, Ranger. I think so, too. What I want is a mount for the sheriff here. Where do you figure on riding, Jace? Out on the range, see if we can pick up a trail. I'll unload charcoal and start ahead, and you walk back to the ranch house and get one of Finney's horses and catch up to me. <laughs>
1: For you, Sheriff.
2: Easy,
3: easy, boy. Did you find anything?
2: Tracks, all right. Not too heavy on this ground, though. They're easy to lose. Yeah, but this is a straight shot from the ridge. Looks like he was
3: sure going for the road,
2: all right. No doubt about it. If he left a car there, we might be able to find some tire marks where he parked. Afraid you're going to be stymied, there, Jason. Why? County just worked the roads over. Shoulders are all fresh gravel. Oh. What's the shortest way to the Lewis Ranch? Go back for the car or keep riding? We'd save a little time going back for the car, not much. Well, charcoal's full of run. Let's give him a chance for a workout. Come on. The Lewis Ranch was big and well-kept. There was something dismal and brooding about it. When we got inside, I knew what it was. It was as though the place were reflecting the personality of the heavy-browed man who owned it. So you want to see my daughter, huh? That's right. What about? Just want to ask her where she was last night? She was into the movie house with Robert Halleck. Yeah, we'd like a little more information than that, Mike. The ranger... I had... know everything my daughter does. I can tell you anything you want to know. That may be so, Mr. Lewis, but we still want to see her. That's an official request.
1: I'll call her. Sadie! Yes, Paul? Come into the house. Yes. Into the parlor. Oh, I
5: didn't know anybody
1: was here. Sheriff and the ranger want to talk to you. They don't think you and Robert was at the show
2: last night. Nobody said that. You don't have it's... to say it. Look, if you can't keep out of this, you can take your mind-reading act into another room until we're finished. It'd be better if you didn't interfere, Mike. Go ahead, ask. Maybe I'll be interested in the answers, too. Sadie, don't be nervous. Just tell the truth. Were you with Robert Halleck last night?
5: Yes. Where'd you go? We, we went... Where did you go? To the movie.
2: Remember the name of the picture?
5: The new one with, with Bing crossed You saw
3: that with me a month ago when I took you to Sweetwater.
5: Oh, I saw it again. There's no other show to see in town. Is there... Robert brought you the ticket stubs, didn't he, Paul?
3: Brought
2: you the ticket stubs? That's right, Ranger. Brought me the stubs. When my daughter's supposed to be someplace. I want to make sure she's there. I'm not gambling on being fed any lies. No, I can see that. You're not gambling that your girl might tell you the truth either, given the chance. I reckon the law's got nothing to say about that? I reckon not. Let me have that package, Sheriff. Yeah, here. What's in it? Just something I want you to look at. Hatchet. Yeah. You ever see this before? No. How about you, Sadie? You ever see this before?
5: No, sir. I never.
2: Why are you asking us about it? Just routine. This is the weapon used to kill Driscoll, the high school teacher. <gasps> All right, Sheriff. Wrap it up again. Let's go. Sorry to bother you, Mr. Lewis. Yeah. You ready, Sheriff? Yeah. Goodbye, Mike. Sadie. Goodbye. Bye. Sadie, you've been lying to me.
4: Answer me! Oh, yeah,
2: looks like Sadie's in for a rough time, Jeez. And she wasn't telling the truth. He knows it. Her story ties in with Robert Halleck's case. I know. Oh, oh, oh. It'll <sighs> be dark by the time we get back to Finney's place. Movie house open tonight? Sure. Why? I want to talk to the manager. The theater was a small town show place. The manager couldn't remember seeing Robert Halleck and Sadie Lewis. He referred us to the ticket taker ticket taker turned out to be Robert Halleck's pal, Gene McCready. Come on, Gene. Talk up. Was Robert here for the show last night or wasn't he?
3: Uh,
2: I I don't know. He's your best friend and you were on the door last night. If he came in, you saw him.
5: Yeah, he was here.
2: Did he stay for the whole show?
5: No. No, he didn't stay for any of it.
2: How do you know? Did you see him leave before it was over?
5: He he didn't even go in. He, He just stopped by to Get a couple of ticket stubs from me.
2: So that's it. Why didn't you tell us that right off?
5: Because I I promised Bob that if anybody asked, I'd say him and Sadie was here. Well, why would anybody ask? Bob thought Sadie's father might. He's asked me before when they were supposed to be here.
2: Well, I guess that's what we wanted, Jason. That's yeah, part of it. Not all of it. Gene, I want you to forget that I asked you anything. Understand? Yes, sir. Let's go, Sheriff.
5: I guess we better pick
2: up Robert Halleck and the Lewis girl, Jace. Not yet. All we know is they didn't see the show. That isn't enough. You don't see why not. This wasn't just a transient thing. Driscoll didn't have no enemies, unless it was one of his pupils hated him. We can narrow it down to one student though. Not until we've checked on all of them. I'm gonna sleep on this tonight. When school opens tomorrow, I'm going out there. Driscoll had been a popular teacher at Rock Point High. But he had an iron-bound code of ethics where honesty was concerned. And that was the key I needed. I found the answer in a batch of test papers he'd been grading. I took the papers back to the sheriff's office. Morning, Chase. Morning. Find anything out the school? Plenty. Look at these. What are they? English class test papers of Robert Halleck and Gene McCready. Uh, I see. Halleck's mark's pretty high. Ninety-four. Yeah. Hey, only half the answers on McCready's paper have been checked. His isn't graded. Compare them and you'll see why. His answer to every single question is exactly the same as Halleck's, all the way down the line. Driscoll must have noticed it while he was marking. Hmm. You think McCready was cribbing his answers from Bob Halleck's paper? Halleck was at the head of the class. McCready was just barely hanging on. Those papers were clipped together in the drawer of Driscoll's desk with this slip of paper. A few notes scribbled on it in Driscoll's handwriting. Here, read what it says. An obvious case of cheating. Flunk McCready. If Halleck knew of this, advise principal neither should be permitted to graduate. Well. The test was on Friday. Driscoll must have been grading those papers after school let out. Halleck came home, but Gene McCready was sitting out a punishment in another class for being late. That means Driscoll might have run into Gene Friday afternoon and asked him about it. That's what I figured. Of course, Gene could have told Bob later. Yeah, he could have. Well, Robert Halleck's the boy, all right, Jace. He lied about where he was Saturday night, and Gene was working at the theater. Maybe yes, maybe No. You get the autopsy report yet? Oh, yeah, yeah. Came in this morning. What time did Driscoll die? Uh, Between uh, 9.30 and 10.30 Saturday night. Then we can't eliminate Gene McCready. Why not? He starts taking theater tickets at 6.30, but the box office closes at 9 when the main feature goes on again. He's got nothing to do after that. His work's finished. Well, I didn't think of that. You better give me the hatchet, Sheriff. I'll need it. Sure. Got it locked in the drawer here. What's your plan? You go out to the school, get Bob Halleck, and bring him to his father's store. I'll meet you there.
3: Would you want Gene McCready, too?
2: He's not in school. He's supposed to be home sick. We can pick him up later. I don't want him and Robert together. Ranger, you're crazy. Crazy, I tell you. Now, calm down, Mr. Halleck. You admit the hatchet comes from your place. No. A minute ago, you said it did. Well, it... Disappeared months ago. It was lost. It got lost again in a cattle tank. Where's your car? Out back, through that door. All right, let's look it over. Your son was using this car Saturday night. Yes. Why? What are you looking for? Hatchet had to be carted away from Driscoll's, and there was blood on it. I'm looking for a stain.
1: Well, you don't see any, do you?
2: No. But I see a spot on the front seat that's cleaner than the rest. You smell that? It's been rubbed with gasoline.
3: Ranger, you're wrong. You've got to be wrong. My kid wouldn't do a thing like that. He. Out here, Robert. Here
2: we are, Chase.
3: Mom! What's the matter? why did they take me out of school? Son. Son, whatever you've done... Me and your mom'll stand by. Oh, yeah. Now tell him the truth. You were at the show Saturday. Tell them you
2: were. How about it, Robert? Jean said you just dropped by to pick up ticket stubs.
3: I, I wasn't at the show. Why didn't you tell me? Why? I couldn't because of Sadie's father. He'd kill her.
2: You better tell us what happened, boy.
3: Why? Well, I, I picked up Sadie in the car at six thirty we went into the movie house to leave the car with Gene and get the stubs.
2: You left the car with Gene?
3: Yes. So it'd be around the theater in case Sadie's pa came by.
2: Well, then what happened?
3: Then we arranged for Gene to meet us out at the crossroads between the Lewis Place and Finney's at 11 o'clock. So I'd have the car to take Sadie home. See?
2: See, Ranger? He didn't have the car all the time. go ahead, Robert. Where did you and Sadie go? We,
3: We went for a ride with Somebody who picked us up behind the theater.
2: What do you mean by somebody? Who?
3: Sadie's mother. What? Why, Sadie Lewis' mother is dead. No, she isn't. That's what Mr. Lewis tells everybody. They were divorced before he moved here with Sadie.
2: Could that be true, Sheriff? Well, Chase, I don't know.
3: Mike Lewis always said his wife died. She didn't. He just hated her, that's all. And, well, if he finds out Sadie's been seeing her, he'll beat her up. All right, Robert.
2: I think you're telling the truth. There's something I want you to identify. This.
3: Why, that's our old Kinlin hatchet.
2: Where'd you see it last?
3: Well, the shack. Me and Jean built a shack up in the woods last fall. We go camping up there. I built most of it because Gene he was working part-time after school at Finney's ranch.
2: That's right, Jace. Gene did work for Finney for a while. Come on, Sheriff. We'd better go pick him up. <laughs> Gene McCready wasn't at his home, and he wasn't sick. We got the location of the shack he built with Robert Halleck, got horses, and rode into the woods to look for him. There's the shack, Jase, just through that clump of trees. Yeah. Come on, Sharky. Hey, the door's opening. It's Gene. Hurry, Gene. What are you doing up here? Just come up to take you into town, Gene. A few things we want to ask you about.
3: Like what?
2: Like how you spent Saturday evening between the time you stopped taking tickets and the time you met Robert at the crossroad between the Lewis Place and Finney's? Come on, Gene. I'll boost you up behind me.
5: Well, can I... can I get my jacket? It's inside.
2: Go ahead. Hey, he don't look guilty, Jace. Not a bit rattled. I know. Well, we could be wrong, but you better give me your holster, Sheriff, if he's gonna ride behind you. Yeah, I guess you're... Look out, Jace! You
3: hit Sheriff? No, but I hit him. <laughs> he had a rifle in there.
2: Kept uh, out shooting just as you leaned over.
5: Oh, you hit
2: me. Yeah. Let's see. There's <laughs> a flesh wound through the side.
5: I didn't want to hurt him, but Mr. Driscoll wasn't going to let me graduate, the old fool.
2: All right, shut up. And hold still until I fix this wound. <laughs> Will he be all right, Jace? Uh, yeah. I'm sorry I had to do that, shooting a kid. Yeah, but... His being a kid doesn't make you bulletproof. And it didn't stop him from killing Driscoll. There. All right, Sheriff. Let's rig a litter and carry him in. Gene McCready was just old enough to stand formal trial for the murder of his high school instructor. On September 20th, 1941, he was taken to the state penitentiary at Huntsville to serve out a sentence of 25 years.
1: And here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae.
2: There's a poem that was sent to me by Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez, who is Commander of Company B of the Texas Rangers. It's not only amusing, but seems to reflect the thoughts of many a police officer. I hope you'll enjoy hearing it. It's called, Not Guilty. I guess I've seen a thousand men go in this jail and out, from tramps with month-old whiskers to rich men with a gout. Not one of them was guilty of the crimes the law accused. Seems they were all just victims of some officer's abuse. From the time the keys are rattled till they're locked up in the cell, their voices, though they differ from a whisper to a yell, the song is always just the same that everyone will sing. I don't see why they put me here. I haven't done a thing. Makes no difference what they've done or how mean the crime has been. When they're locked behind those prison bars, they're always free from sin. Though the evidence be solid and their voice with guilt may ring, they'll stand right up and tell you, I haven't done a thing. Good night, folks. See you again next week. Good night.
1: Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of... The Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Frenchie. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Parley Bear, Mike Barrett, Sam Edwards, Joe Duval, Tom Cook, and Gerald Moore. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. Hal Gibney speaking.
0: Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives.